And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hey, Matt. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, I'm feeling a little tired today, man. And, you know, I want to tell you why, but and so I don't forget, I do need to get this out of the way. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And I needed to get that out of the way because, man, I'm tired today. I was up late last night. I was listening to Eric Clapton a lot. That song, Lula. You know, <laughs> Lula. And, yeah. That would so, be, yeah, that would be Layla, Matt. Yeah. Let, what? Wait a minute. Who's Lula? <laughs> well, uh, I'm Bo Lacey. I'm founder of Lula. And, uh. Lula. Oh, Lula. Lula. Yeah. Lula. Oh, the guest today wrong. is the founder of Lula. And the song last night was, I got to lay off the sauce or something. Oh Cause my God. man, so I need to quit. So that's why my wife was looking at me when I was walking around this morning going Lula. All right. So I got it straight <laughs> guys. Well, thank you for straightening me out. And, and Bo, thank you for jumping in and with us today, Bo Lace. CEO and founder of Lula, an up-and-coming home services company, which we're going to talk all about. And Bo, for those of th- those in Kansas City, many people know you, but I will let the Startup Hustle listeners across the world know that Bo is a, a well-known entrepreneur and a huge supporter of entrepreneurship and fellow entrepreneurs here in Kansas City. So thanks for that, Bo. Yeah, appreciate that from the community, and I'm really looking forward to talking more about your app layla i got it so now you, for those of you listening you know we love it when you're interactive so go to lula.life and check out the site that talks all about the on-demand mobile platform that bo's built i think this is cool stuff and this is definitely you know, we talk about often find things that we didn't know we needed so badly until we were on the podcast i can almost smell Watson and I's fingers burning up the keyboard signing up for this because you do a lot of cool stuff with uh, on demand and helping homeowners and property stuff. And it's always the struggle is real there. So before we get too far into this, Bo, you want to give us a little bit about your backstory and both you and the, and the company would be great. Yeah, sure. So um, gosh, I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is officially my third startup that uh, I'm part of. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to talk mostly about Lula today. But, you know, in 2017, um, we initially launched a mobile app that was essentially a marketplace for homeowners to find quality home service providers, you know, such as lawn care, home cleaning, handyman, plumbers. Um, you know, a homeowner would get on the mobile app, request uh, a service and all approved Lula pros. Uh, in that area would immediately be notified. First Lula Pro to claim the job would get to work. Um, that's essentially what we launched. Uh, we look very different today, which we can get into whenever you're ready. Yeah, well, I'm interested. I like the the on-demand, that kind of Uber-esque feel, like whoever's going to 
whoever's going to, and here I am, the guy that didn't turn off his cell phone. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. So, you know, that Uber-esque, like, cue it up and run to it. But you said you have a different feel now. Uh, what, sure. what 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 caused the pivot or the change in, in approach? Yeah, so, well, you know, it doesn't – it never fails. No matter how much market research you do, you really don't know um, how the market's going to respond until you get your product to market. What we found is that um, it was very expensive to, to acquire new customers. Um, it's a competitive landscape out there. And so, um, you know, in early 2000. 18, we decided to take a hard look at our data. Um, and what we found is that, you know, 80% of our revenue was coming from 10% of our customer base. And so we decided to look at this 10% of our customer base. And we just started to pick up the phone. What we found is that there were property managers. Um, and so we decided, okay, uh, you know, it's, it was kind of a light bulb moment. We're like, let's explore, let's talk, you know, let's get boots on the ground. Let's talk to these property managers. Let's find out what's going on and what their pain points are. So is this somebody that owns like a rental house or like when you say property manager? Yeah. So these are, these are typically um, property managers. They can own, you know, anywhere from, you know, two homes to 20,000. Right. So uh, we work with a lot of property managers that, you know, try to manage their own properties, but we also have um, contracts and partnerships with large property managers that manage anywhere to 20,000 homes. Well, Uh, and, and that's always been my fear of owning a rental home is like, when something goes wrong with it, they're going to call me? Like, what? Well, yeah, I, can, I can confirm that. I've owned rental homes, and it's not that they call you. It's that they call you always for something you don't know how to do. Yeah. You know, it's just something. It's, you know, and, and I think that's what's really really great here. And, you know, for for people that whether you, you said from two to 20,000 homes, well, if you just own a couple properties, you don't have like a, the quote maintenance guy right. or maintenance person or whoever. And then it's also really hard to find people that are good at, all the all of the different trades because you have electric plumbing you know like interior exterior stuff and and it some people i mean people typically aren't great at all of them so being able to tap into a a pool of experts and now now with the with the queuing part um did that not work as well as you wanted for a specific reason or did was that just no longer the did that just not fit with what the data was telling you is generating revenue as far as uh, the homeowners play? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, well, it did, you know, it, it was costing us around $114 um, on average to acquire a single homeowner. Um, our average ticket cost, we so original model, we took 20% of the completed transaction. Um, our average ticket model was around $150. Uh, so, you know, we're making $30 per usage. Over the course of a year, our homeowners were using our app about four to five times but that's really thin profit margin. Um, and, you know, honestly, property man- one property manager is worth a thousand customers. They bring so many jobs and work yeah. orders to us that it just made sense um, to explore that and focus and focus on the property management industry more so than spending, burning a bunch. We're going to have to raise a ton of money to really get a big market share in the homeowner space. So we made a conscious decision to pivot and we're glad we did because the business right now, if you look at it right now, it's we're in really good shape and we're really excited about where we're at and property managers they have a lot of pain and they have a lot of frustrations you know 
takes an army, like you said. Uh, they have a traditionally have a vendor list um, that they will go off of, and they have to they have a compliance department that makes sure the vendors got their you know insurance requirements, you know background checked, and their licensing. We take all that off the plate for property managers. Um, and what happens is, you know, if you have a emergency work order from a resident, such as a leak, every second that that's not attended to is costing damage is causing damage to that property, which is going to cost the owner more money. Um, so what happens, you know, a property manager will get out their vendor list and if that their plumbers that they have, you know, aren't available, they start thumbing through the list, start making phone calls and every second counts with us. We have such a large network and we've also shifted to actually start hiring W2 field maintenance contractors. Oh, wow. We always have some, we always have someone available. And, and that move is recent to uh, having W2 contractors um, versus just the 1099 role as we've improved our profit margin by nearly 10% um, it, by having W2. We're also able to offer a more competitive price to our property management customers. Yeah. Doesn't also, make it harder for you to scale and have more risk though of now you have you have all these employees that you got to keep busy yeah 100 percent. that's why we run a hybrid approach uh we we continue to have the 1099 contractors that way because there is some seasonality to our business mm -hmm. um we don't want to go all in on w2 but um we leverage some w2 while still keeping our 1099 contractors busy now, with, with the W-2 stuff, that's is that because that's unpredictable? Because, you know, this time of year, for example, I just stained my own deck. If I wanted to find someone to come do that for me in June on a short notice, like, I, well, I wouldn't have. Because sure. this is this is the, the time, this is milk and honey for, you know, that type of service. So I see people on Facebook that are asking questions like, does, who, who do I know that builds decks that's ready for a, a deposit for the fall? Sure. And is, is that the reason why the full-time employees, like you at least know you have X amount of bandwidth and deliverability? Yeah, I think so. And it's more of, you know, we can manage quality and, you know, we can't tell 10-9 contractors to go, you know, we need you to drop what you're doing and go there right now. We have a large network. So typically, you know, when a job's requested, it gets picked up in a matter of 60 seconds. Um, we usually have someone at the property within a couple hours with 1099 contractors. But we, the reason really we decided to move to a W-2 is more so than just the general maintenance requests that we get is that we, we now offer another service that we were asked to do by our property management partners, and that's an end-to-end make-ready service. So for, for those that don't know what a make-ready service is or what a make-ready or a turn is, it's when one resident resident moves out and you have to prepare that home or, or apartment for the new resident. And there's always painting, repairs, cleaning, uh, you know, there could be electrical and plumbing involved in that. And so that side of our business has just grown exponentially and continues to grow because again, traditionally property managers are coordinating and managing multiple vendors to try to complete a successful turn. And it's a shit show. It just is. They hate it. We're one point of contact where we mm -hmm. literally take, take the turn Get it all done in an average of two to three days. When we turn the keys back over, it's rent ready. And and that that service has really taken off. And so that makes when, a lot of sense. Yeah. So when we have, you know, with the W two field workers, they, they could be out there working on a turn. We keep them very busy with that. But with general maintenance that our ten ninety nine guys may be at capacity, we can peel them off to go take care of those work orders. Now, Bo, where is your business? Is it very regional here in Kansas City or the Midwest, or or have you kind of expanded all over the country? Or 
Um, we are actually looking to expand this year. So funny, funny, quick story, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur, no matter how many times I do this, I continue to make mistakes, but, uh, we actually launched, so we're here in Kansas city. We cover the entire Metro as far as Liberty and Lawrence and Stillwell even. Um, but we, we actually, uh, rolled out in, um, expanded to Northwest Arkansas, uh, a couple years ago before we actually made the, the move to pivot to property management and, uh, it didn't go well. So it was a small market. We knew that, but we had a lot of um, connections there. I went to school at University of Arkansas. So uh, we had some connections there and we had some, you know, reasons to go there. And we wanted to test what a small market because there was no competition there. Well, if there's no competition, usually you're like, there's a reason, right? Well, we wanted to try it out. Didn't go well. We pulled out. But now we've got some very large partners like Key Partners Management, um, you know, First Key Homes, Home River Group has approached us um, that are in several markets. Now we're going to, you know, develop the relationship here. Now we got a reason and immediate yeah. business to go to these other cities that they have, uh, that they've expanded to. Yeah. That's perfect for you. If they can kind of seed that new market for you like, Hey, we need three, four or five kind of full-time people to keep busy and then you can grow from that. Like yeah. that's awesome. If you can do that. Yeah. And our sweet spot is the, um, the residential single family home property management companies. So in the single family home space with the rentals, they don't typically have on-site maintenance, right? It's not like your multifamily complexes with two, three, 400 apartments. They're leveraging 90% is being leveraged by third-party vendors. So it's, it's our ideal customer for sure. Do you guys do much work so, uh, or Airbnb related stuff? So a lot of uh, quite a few of our property managers actually own and manage Airbnbs. Um, so we actually take care of a lot of the lawns and preventative maintenance for Airbnbs. Um, Second Door has recently engaged us and started using us for um, a lot of their maintenance with Airbnbs. We've got an ongoing ticket as, I, as we're doing the show right now with Second Door. So um, yeah, that is definitely another space that um, I think that we bring a lot of value to. But I have a question for you. So you mentioned prior you know, earlier in the episode that, uh, you, once you learned what the true cost of acquisition was for a client, it was a lot higher than you had originally expected. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking with different people in the past about how difficult that is to actually project and figure out. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we like to share our wins and our losses. How I'm curious, how far off were you on what you thought you would get for a cost of acquisition cost compared to what it really was. And then because we don't like to, to, to end on a loss on the question, what was something you guys nailed a hit a bullseye? On? Yeah, this is, this is a great question. I'm really excited to answer this one. So, so the customer acquisition cost was nearly double what I thought it was going to be. Um, so we were off quite a bit. And so our numbers really, it, it didn't look pretty. Um, now, what we decided to do was get back to some grassroots stuff, right? We joined a lot of associations, the property management associations and AKC, um, do trade shows, but you know, what's worked the best. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but we are nailing this. We send out a postcard to property managers. We make a list and we literally mail a postcard to property managers. And we'll even include, you know, like a $10 Jack stack gift card. Just, just say, Hey, go treat yourself to lunch, but just take a look at this and give us a call. I'm telling you for every probably five to six that we send out, we get a phone call and develop a relationship. It's been crushing it. Wow. That That's a smart approach. I, you know, and, and here's the thing is as a property manager and I haven't 
truly been one, but I've known a couple. That's kind of like customer service or support. Like no one calls the property manager to be like, you know what? The place is great. Everything's working fine. I love it. The refrigerator's cold. Nothing's leaking. You know, no. On the other hand, almost every time they get in front of someone, it's complaints. So I think right. I would imagine uh, I, we referred to experience-based marketing. And I don't know if you ever came to one of the events we did at the full-scale suite when we could actually I go do that. I have it, but, but I want to. But that, but that experience was very memorable. And you buying someone lunch like that, and especially at one of Kansas City's iconic restaurants, I, I, would, I would call you back, even though I might not be a client. And I'd be like, hey, man, thanks for lunch. I just made my day a little better. Yeah, so it, That's a smart approach. Yeah, and I wanted to give Jack Sack a plug there because they've been great working with us. We'll buy in bulk and they'll give us a little discount on those gift cards and give them some business and and it makes uh, you know our relationships deepen pretty quickly. I'll go ahead and go on record. Uh, for those of you not listening to Kansas City, Kansas City is the barbecue capital of the world and Jack Stack is my favorite barbecue restaurant. Heck so yeah. I'm pulling, putting my full support in 2020 behind Jack and Stack for amazing barbecue. So good. So good. That's great. Um, so, well, that's interesting because, you know, I think that we're in this digital world. We're talking about startup founders. We're on startup hustle. We own technology companies. And then we find out the postcard was the winner. <laughs> it's, um, a running, it's a running joke in our office for sure. I, I think it's great because, and you know, the, you used a word that I think is really important, grassroots. And that's the term that I use for any type of marketing heat or hype that you can create. It's like rubbing two sticks together and getting fire. You know, like that's a grassroots approach to building a fire. And I think people get away from that a lot. You know, you talk about that cost of acquisition cost and Google clicks and Facebook ads and Instagram stories and all this. But, then, you know, and then, and then Matt and I, when we talk about what works for full scale, what works for the podcast, what works at Stackify, you know, we're 10 years later, we're still blogging, dude. Yeah. You know, Watson got a, th a million hits, a million, Bo, a million organic visits last month to the Sacrify blog. Dude, that's awesome. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because our my very first hire was a marketing manager for Lula. Our very first W2 employee is a marketing manager because I have, you know, I have experience in online marketing and I know the value that comes with it and build, you know, building your backlink profile, building great content that people want to read. And uh, we have a great organic presence as well. And uh, it's a it's a daily routine for us to, to work on that. We produce great content. Josh, Josh Madison that works for us is yeah, awesome. And, and that's a marathon. Content. Yeah, that's a marathon, not a race. Yeah, hundred yeah. I mean, percent. Takes time. Matt, what was it? Three, three, and, three and a half years ago, and I've mentioned this before, but I was when I was just starting to get to know Matt. He was telling we're at the corner bakery having breakfast, and he was telling me about how he was tired of CPC ads, and he's like, "I'm paying Twitter and all these places a bunch of money, and I think we can work our way out of it. It's not going to be fast." And then here we are later, and you're like, "Because think about it, people. What would a million vi a million visits to your site do?" And no, that's incredible. We we yeah, aren't, I, we aren't like, even close to there yet, but uh, we're working on it. <laughs> and, and you know, another thing too is you can create your own grass grassroots stuff. You know, like uh, so part of part of how we got initial traction with this very podcast was when we knew it was going to come out. I joined about a hundred groups about startup entrepreneurship, small business ownership. And those first three or four episodes I posted them. I said, Hey, we're new to this. I want your feedback. 
check if not check it out i appreciate the support i did get i did get booted out of one one room that's it and i I thought you know but the thing is is we immediately got traction because some of those groups of like-minded people they not only gave us feedback about the episode but some of them were clearly listening and some of those groups had 15 20 000 members and yep that's a that's a lot that's a lot of that's a lot of impressions yeah we do that too we join all the groups uh, obviously you don't want to go in there and immediately start selling and um, that's when they try right. to run you off if you're a new member but we try to get that's involved right. ask and, for feedback that's yeah. right 100 feedback input right 100 that's the that's the approach i think you know we still do some um paid marketing on social media and, and pay-per-click but we don't we keep our spend very low it's not where we get the majority of our business but we still want to you know for brand purposes uh you know we still want to be out there Okay. You got Matt, you got any grassroots comments? You know, con- the content thing definitely works. The blogging, like you guys mentioned, it's worked really well for Stackify, but it's a long game. It takes a long time to build all that content. It doesn't just happen overnight. So pay-per-click happens overnight, but you got to keep yeah, we- for it forever. So, And, and you got to know what you're doing because if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to burn through cash. Test, test, test. That's right. So yeah, we Bo, spent a lot of you, time talking about that, but yeah, go ahead, Matt. So Bo, did you give up then kind of focusing on homeowners? Like you still, if they come to you and they find you, you support them, but you don't really pursue that anymore. hundred percent. Um, hundred percent is exactly right. We don't pursue homeowners. We don't spend any money or any time marketing to homeowners. Um, they find us, they order jobs. We support the customers we have here in Kansas city, but it's no longer part of our growth strategy. Yeah, I, I think the approach makes sense because like you said, the property managers like got the you know, literally the keys to the kingdom and you you're you're going in multiples. I think that's a really smart approach. And I think that it would have probably been really easy to continue down your timeline and not pay attention and analyze where some of that stuff comes. It's a hard decision. And you know, so recently it was watching the the founder movie with Michael Keaton playing, you know, about McDonald's. Right. And you know, there's that that time in the beginning where the McDonald's brothers, they're like, hey, you know, 90% of our orders are three items. And it was uh, shakes, fries, and burgers. So why don't we just serve these three? And like one brother's like, can we even do that? Well, sure. We can do whatever we want. It's right. our business. So, that's right. you know, and I, and I think that that's a, a common error. Um, I now, since we're, we're talking about the early stages, um, you know, what the most important part for a startup is being able to determine what their path to revenue is. And, and, and I think that that's something I I'd say that, Oh, almost a hundred percent of people that I know that have successful businesses or ones that failed all got that wrong. Cause it's a, it's a giant, you know, your crystal ball is not working. How did, how was that process for you? Cause, because with the marketplace, it's easy to build the marketplace. It's exponentially more difficult to populate it with buyers and sellers. Yeah. We got it all wrong at the beginning is <laughs> the short answer, right? We all so, did. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we got it all wrong. Um, you know, we played with different percentages. So in a two-sided market and this in, you know, for, if, we're, if I'm going back to the B2C original model, the B2C model with homeowners, um, you know, you have to, you have to figure out where is the price sensitivity for homeowners? 
um, you know, to, you know, what, what are they willing to pay? Um, it, then you got to figure out on the other side is what, what percentage can you take from these providers, these contractors, where they feel like they're treated fairly and going to continue to take jobs, right? And so I think at one point we were as, as high as 28%, as low as 12% and settled in the middle before we actually pivoted to property management space. Uh, when we got the property management, it's a simple flat fee now that we take from prop, or from the providers. So depending on, you know, let's say $150 uh, work order, we only take $19 flat fee, you know, it, it, up to 250, we may take 30 and so on. But it's a flat fee up to, you know, 50 bucks. I mean, if they have a, you know, $5,000 AC replacement, we only take 50 bucks. That's what we get. It's just another work order for us. Um, the property managers, it, the property management space, it is a budget sensitive industry. I mean, it's really budget sensitive, um, but we do charge, we do integrate with property management software. So our platform integrates with property management software that's out there so that the property managers can just click the easy button, kick off a work order, and then we communicate, our platform communicates with the resident, the provider, and the property manager providing full visibility in the entire process of the work order while sending that data back and forth between our platform and the property manager software. So we do charge a per door per month integration fee for those property managers that want to take advantage of that. And as of right now, we're charging $3 per door per month. So if you had 400 homes and you wanted to, us to integrate with your property management software, we're charging you $12,000 a month for all 400 doors. But it alleviates a lot of overhead, and we're alleviating compliance, uh, you know, compliance overhead on their part as well. And it's super easy to have that data pass back and forth. Um, I think at the end of the day, you want to keep your residents happy, right? Resident retention is really important because on average, property managers spend $2,500 to $3,000 for a non-lease renewal. So one of the biggest reasons why people move out of their uh, rental because poor maintenance and not having communication around maintenance. So um, that's, you know, that's, that's numbers on the back end that a lot of property managers, you know, don't see right in front of them. But there's a lot of costs that could be eliminated by improving your resident retention through resident satisfaction, right? Maintenance is a big is one of the big key so uh, factors to do it, that. Is that something you help with too? Like, so if I rent a, a house, do you provide some kind of software or something that if I have a maintenance problem, I can tell the property owner that? Like, do you help with that part of the communication too? Yeah, we do. So we have a platform that's some, there's a lot of small property managers out there that don't have property management software. I feel like they all should, but some of them just don't. Um, but we have a platform where they can log in and kick off work orders through our system directly. Um, but the ones that are using property management software, such as rent, you know, such as rent manager or buildium um, property meld is another relationship that we're looking, we're excited about to integrate with. Um, we can integrate directly with them so that, you know, if they have a work order and they they want to kick it off to Lula, they just hit send to Lula and, and everything else is automated. So the, the vendors that you work with, are they a lot of independent people or are they big companies that, that do, you know, AC work or whatever? Are you working with these big companies or are they a lot of just in, individual contractors? We have both. So we've got we've got the you know independents out there. We've also got companies like Snake and Rooter, which has got you know thirty plum, plumbing uh, techs on on their staff. So uh, we work with both, and we work with both in different ways. Um, we're actually developing a fleet management software um, that's going to integrate directly with Lula, so that the larger uh, larger companies and vendors that we work with um, can actually utilize our our software that will integrate directly with Lula 
Missoula and other home service platforms so that jobs can feed directly in mm -hmm. there. Cause that's one of the biggest, that's one of the biggest rubs I think with um, some of the larger uh, vendors that we do have is that, you know, they're using fleet management software already. So they don't want to have to have two different platforms that they're managing their fleet in. Um, they make it work because we drive a lot of business for them, but it's, you know, it's a hurdle. So we're trying to solve that as well. Well, I would think in general, these independent contractors, these companies, all these people would love you and companies like you that are just a lead generator for them. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. And, and I, I call it real jobs instead of lead generation. You know, you got your thumbtacks and your Angie's list and, mm -hmm. you know, those out there that are lead generation platforms, whereas we're delivering real jobs. The job is not a lead. It's real money. It's money in the bank. If that job comes and you're available to tackle it, it you claim it, it's money in the bank. Like there is no trying, there's no sales process, right? So it's zero customer acquisition cost for our vendors. If they've got a, available time in their schedule for the job that's on the board, they claim it, it's money. It's real money for them. Well, Bo, my next question for you is how how do you build all the software for this? But first thing I guess I should mention is today's episode is brought to you by Fullscale.io, and we help people build software teams quickly and affordably. And Bo, like, what are the complexities of building all this software? Are you talking about all these integrations and property management and fleet management and mobile apps? Like, my head sure. kind of hurts already. So. <laughs> Yeah, I so started hurting when you said build software. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. Why is it so hard? That is actually my background, right? So I'm a UX designer and software architect, and uh, that's been my role in every startup that I've been in. Um, so we handle it all in house. I think we're one of the few, um, you know, startups that doesn't outsource their development. Uh, but it's a lot. Um, you know, I've got you know, some, some key staff members that help me with the roadmap. And, and, uh, obviously we've got a great software engineering team that develops it, but, um, it's a lot and it's, you know, every day it's changing every single day. So our roadmap and our backlog just continues to grow and grow and grow. So you got a team here in Kansas city. We do. Yeah. All right. We have a team. We have a team here in Kansas city. We also do have an office in India. Okay. Gotcha. So, you know, as I mentioned, uh, the word building software can give many founders a headache because there's a lot to it. What's what's something that you've learned from the process of building software? Like, get, give us a give us, you feel free to be on the far extremes if you like, because, you know, like, I mean, for me, it's that, well, hey, it's never done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll go ahead and let you, let you feel sure. that one. Well, you know, I think that what I see a lot of entrepreneurs do, um, especially if they're non-technical founders, um, is truly not understanding what they're building. Um, I think that, uh, having a true understanding of what you're building and not trying to over-engineer this thing. A lot of founders want to have all the bells and whistles from day one, right? And that's just a terrible approach because what's going to happen is you're going to launch your product, find out that what you thought the market wanted isn't necessarily what they needed. Um, and so you've just spent a lot of money and time building stuff that you didn't need to. Uh, so I think just truly understanding and iterate, iterate quickly, but small, like build small and iterate quickly. I think that's like, if that's the one takeaway that, that I could give to everyone, that, that would be it. Well, and I think you guys are a great pivot story of, you know, you thought you were going to do one thing and then kind of pivoted to the property management. And a lot of people don't do that. And then that helps you focus all of your development efforts on that use case, right? Instead of trying to still chase the homeowners and 
next thing you know, you're trying to help them assemble furniture and like all sorts of shit that homeowners might want, right? Where you're like, nope, we're going to focus on the services that property managers want. We're going to build integrations, like do all these things that you never would have done if you were focusing on homeowners. So that's why it's so important to, you know, pick your niche and really go deep in it. That's right. And and we made that decision to do that and focus on the property management space. Eventually, the the single, you know, the homeowner app will get phased out. Uh, we were fortunate enough that a lot of the nuts and bolts that we built, um, we were able to use uh, for the property management space. So we didn't have to throw it all away. Right. So um, that was a blessing. So does that mean I need I, to I, delete I, the Lula app? Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't want you no. to delete the Lula. We're still servicing. It's still a revenue right. generator for us. But, you know, at some point we may come to that crossroad where it just makes sense. But All for right. now, for now, homeowners feel free to use us. All right. Hey, Matt, Matt, guess what? Speaking of apps and integration, I have some news for you. Oh, we are we are getting close to pushing the Apple music integration and mixtape the app forward. Okay. So yes, I just felt that it was it was a good segue into the fact that it's time to play mixtape the game. All right. I don't know if you played mixtape the game before, Bo, but I'm going to draw a card. I'm going to draw. You can go to mixtapethegame.com. There's an app in the uh, on Android and iOS. It's a hell of a lot of fun, and we have three people, so we can play. But there's more good news, Matt. We have changed the app so you can get started with two people and the group lobby play. So you do not have to wait for a third person. It will get you started. It's, uh, when the second person enters the room, it puts you on a 60-second clock. That's coming out soon, too. So speaking of apps and integration and listening to our users, there we go. All right. I'm going to read a scenario. We are all going to name a song that we think applies best to said scenario and then after we'll vote. You can't vote for yourself or or Watson. So, all right. <laughs> you, you are a vintage bottle of Dom Perignon. What song would you want to be popped to? And I'm going with Money Ain't a Thang by Jay-Z. I'm going to go with the uh, good old Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Oh, uh, man, I'm terrible at music. My wife, when she listens to this episode, is going to laugh at me. Um, the first song about... that comes to mind is best. <laughs> uh, let's go with uh, How About I'm Gonna Get High by Bill Owsley. I don't even know what that song is, but it's a good enough of a reason to not vote for Watson. You have my vote, Bo. Yeah, like you got it. my vote too. I don't want to vote for DeCourcy, so you're the winner. It's getting real. We have a we've got a little voting problem here. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's weird. It's like the electoral college. It might need a little bit of review to make sense in the modern world, but. Uh, we'll get around to it. So, Bo, congratulations, man. You're the big winner of this round of Mixtape. Um, yeah, and for those of you that are out there, uh, check out Mixtape. It's fun. You learn so much about your friends, family, and coworkers. So, um, looking forward to uh, the next round. Matt, we got to figure out the voting thing because I think this is kind of like that you know, that, that nuclear arms race, mm -hmm. like, I don't want to vote for you. You don't want to vote for me. And then neither one of us wins ever. So, all right. Well, Bo, I like what you're doing. And the reason I like what you're doing is 
this problem that you're solving, it's real, man. Like it's real. And, and, and I've been a property owner before that make ready thing like that. And I didn't re refer to it as that, but that's a big deal too. Cause you're burning time on the clock. You have a vacant rental. Mm -hmm. And if you are that's what right. we'll say, like a, a hobbyist owner of sorts and a lot of dude, a lot of people own a rental home or two. It's like, turn your, the, the home you just moved out of into a rental home. But those are also the people that are often the worst at the repair part. The make ready thing is, so when you go to uh, talk to a bank about your rental home as a, as an asset, they only credit you with 11 months worth of rent. And a lot of people don't know that because they assume that you're going to burn a month every year with that make ready part. And that can be really expensive. I've had issues in the past. I owned rental homes in North Carolina after I moved to Washington, D.C. And I got to tell you what, it was a real pain in the ass if I needed anything because I wasn't even local. I couldn't go meet someone. And, and this Lula would have been an amazing a lot of modern tech would have been amazing, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a definitely a problem we're solving, whether it's for homeowners or property owners or whoever. And, you know, some of the biggest complaints about contractors are that they don't show up. They're not trustworthy. They don't know if yep. the job's done well. And to have a pre-vetted, like I I'm all over that because yep. that's the hardest part is like, you need someone that I don't know, dude, it's like my door frame has a problem. And you're like, who do I get to do that? And you know, some of the people that you can call in this modern era, they want 90 bucks just to come tell you that they're going to charge you too much. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. Like I got a $90 service call and they come over to tell you that they're going to need four more calls to fix something they should have, you know, and, sure. and, and I don't want to bundle all contractors in that because there's so many that do sure. an amazing job, sure. take pride in what they're doing, but there are definitely yeah, bad they're on Lula. that soured. <laughs> at, at, yeah. The good ones are the good ones are. So I think that's really cool. I mean, Matt, is this a service that you would use? Absolutely. If I had rental homes and I mean, I would use it for myself too. I've, well, what about your current home? Cause yeah. You know, Matt, Matt, yeah. How many, how many different service providers or contractors have you used getting your home ready for, for sale? A few, a bunch, for sure. It? Yeah. And still got more work to do. Never ending. Yeah. The work never ends. Right. Uh, you know, I think Matt, you hit on something really important with the lost days of rent. Um, I don't think that, uh, you know, that can be, you know, expressed enough is that every day that the rental property sits empty is, is a, a lost day of, of collectible rent. So you want to get these turned as quick as possible. And, you know, with, with our make ready service, you know, we provide a guarantee. I mean, it, it's a 30 day guarantee. We aren't in there just doing this, this, you know, of course there's a set scope of work, but we make sure that we have, you know, we look at it as a partnership. We make sure that we have our property managers back. And if there's something small that they missed on their move out inspection, we're going to just take care of it while we're there. Right. Because it's not about just turning the unit so that, um, you know, that it looks great and the resident's happy, but we're trying to eliminate work orders when the resident moves in, because, you know, if there's a plumbing issue or an electrical issue, when we're in there turning, we're going to make the property owner or manager aware of it. That way they don't immediately have a work order when the resident moves in, when that's not a great first impression. So um, we really truly take care of our partners. Yeah, I think that's great, man. And I, I love the pre-vetted part. So once again, with us today, Bo Lace, founder, CEO, Lula Home Services. Go to lula.life, check them out, make an order, tell your property management friends that you finally have a reason for them to not come, come home and start drinking right away. Or maybe maybe a reason that they can get home and start that. Uh, what's one one thing, Matt? Actually, Matt, one thing I've learned from you at the on here on the podcast is if you want to drink all day, you do have to start early, right? Right. Yes. 
Yeah. So you see, we really cover the important stuff on a lot of episodes now, Bo, uh, thanks again for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, we've played, uh, we've played, uh, uh, rotating schedules trying to make this happen. It was either my own travels to the Philippines or other stuff that had come up. So glad to get you on here. And once again, I want to thank you for all the, all the stuff you do to support, entrepreneurs in Kansas City at all different phases. Um, I, we were all on day one. And, you know, for me, I had a lot of people that, I don't know, for whatever reason, they took a few time, a little bit of time and helped me. We tried to, Matt and I try to do the same. And I know you do too. I think that's really important. That knowledge transfer stuff is, uh, it's real. And uh, that knowledge isn't meant to be kept. It's meant to be passed on. So right. if, you're, if you're out there listening, do some of that, find someone to mentor. You'll learn more about yourself than they learned from you on many days. So um, we end episodes, start a puzzle. And once again, today's episode is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. And we're going to end with what we call the founders freestyle and Bo, you, I'm going to give you the mic first. And this is where you can just drop any interesting founder knowledge statements, anything. What would you like to say to the founders out there listening? Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot I have to say, but I'll try to keep it short. Um, I would say just, you know, be very passionate about what you're building, truly understand the market that you're trying to serve and let the market dictate um, your business and, and just be quick and nimble. Um, listen and respond and respond as quickly as possible. It's a death wish if you move too slow. So I love Lula and I love the pivot story. And anybody who's listening to the podcast would uh, would would probably know that I hate B2C businesses, business to, con- to consumer for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned earlier, like, oh, it's going to cost us $114 to acquire a customer. It's very expensive. And then they don't spend any money and the profit margin is low and blah, 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 all of that. Like, I hate all of it. But then you pivot to this kind of more boring B2B business selling to property managers and you send them postcards and you just print money now. It's a beautiful story. Like, I love it, right? I hate the, yeah. the consumer part of it, so. I think this is just a great example of you're solving the same problem, but you figured out how to just pivot just a little bit to solve it for somebody else. And now it's B2B and it's easy and it's still not easy. Let's be real. Uh, But I think I love the story of that and um, big fan of the B2B stuff and I hate the B2C stuff. So I love the story. I do have one important question. I want to know why is it called Lula? (laughs) You know, it's a famous song, right? No, it's not. It's not. Uh, you know, There's another one called Lola. I didn't go with that one. I forgot about that till just now. So we could have really gotten, yeah. yeah. We, we get called Lulu a lot too because uh, of Lululemon, right? So, you know, I used to get asked that all the time. It's been a while since I was asked that. But, um, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm into astrology and, you know, there's um, into what's called the destiny analysis. Um, it's a destiny analysis algorithm. So um, everyone's name has a meaning. So if you go look up the destiny analysis algorithm and you take your every letter is e- equates to an integer, right? You put you put these numbers into this algorithm and your name has a meaning, right? So the meaning of Lula is I love spending time with my family and taking care of my home. So that is how we initially came up with uh, the, the company name Lula. Um, I also like the fact that it's short and I like the fact that, you know, it's, uh, it's welcoming to both male and female, so. All right. 
Matt, so you, you do you know, I'm sure you know that Matthew means gift of God. Heck yeah, though. <laughs> I mean, I feel that it's, it's so appropriate um, for at least one Matt. Yeah. Not me. But all right. So once again, both thanks. I, I appreciate so many things that you shared with us today. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, you educate. I asked before we recorded, I said, what's prop tech? I should have known that, but property technology. And then, and it's actually a really, it's a, it's a fast growing space. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Um, at all sizes and scale of property ownership, we've had some other uh, uh, guests that are entering the space. I'm seeing a lot of people doing really neat stuff with it. And I think it's pretty cool because, you know, that's like, like you said, some of this, uh, what you alluded to earlier, some, some of these property managers and companies are kind of archaic with their ways. They might have a, a box with index cards on it or something. And, and, you know, there's a better way to do this. It was uh, another Kansas City entrepreneur, Blake Miller, who taught us about the concept of time, arbit- time arbitrage. And told us some, you know, and he has got a, a different, but similar in the similar space as you. And I know you know Blake, but yep. you know some of that is like the 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 expense of the property owner was 15 minutes of someone actually doing the repair and 45 minutes trying to find a key, open the door, give the lock the door, and put the key back. That's right. And, you know, here's the thing is, is you got to sell more, spend less. And you mentioned earlier, if you're also with your property being empty, you're getting the worst of both worlds, you're spending money and not bringing it in. So you got to get that out there quickly. But the thing that I really, that I really took from this was, you know, like, I mean, the postcard thing for, and not, not, that that's not the forefront in most people's mind right now. And they're thinking about doing other things, but if you ha- I bet you tested that at some point and you're like, huh? And in, and I'm just, so I say there's three words that matter when it comes to marketing test, 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 you're looking for a crack. And when you find that crack, it's your job to figure out how to get an elephant through it. That's right. And, and, and I, I would imagine that that was what you're like, maybe we should try this out. You get a response. You're like, huh. And, and now the question is, is it scalable? Was it a fluke or whatever? But once you realize you're onto something, go for it and, and run with it. And you only need businesses only need really, you can, there are businesses out there that have become unicorn companies that thrive on one form of successful marketing. Now, that's not maybe the most stable in the end, but hey, if it works, it works. So figure out what works for you. Don't be afraid to abandon the plan or get away from it. Or like, okay, some people, when I tell them we talk about failure on the show a lot, they're like, well, how do you get people to talk about it? So any successful entrepreneur looks back at it eventually and goes, oh my God, I can't believe I thought that would work or something. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, sharing that, but being, but being, being a mature and, 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 and smart enough to say, okay, we're wrong here. Now let's back up. Let's figure out where we're right. And let's just do more of that. And if you don't do that early, well, you're going out of business. Pretty much. Or you're, or you're just uh, in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I talk about a ball of rubber bands that I had created in another business. It doesn't help to just continue putting rubber bands on it. So right. uh, figure out what works for you and run with it. Did That's, you have another comment? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think every year I know I'm growing as an entrepreneur and understanding my business more. If every year I look back and I'm like, wow, 
I can't believe how much I've learned in this last year. Like I look back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I even was doing that last year. It was a waste of time. Right. So, <laughs> but it happens, you know, it's how you learn, grow. And, and, and do exactly that. And then do us all a favor and pass that information and experience down to someone else that finds it's it useful. And um, I, I, I'm a big believer in that. So, well, it, while we were doing this episode, I, I did learn that my uh, that my understanding of the Eric Clapton song catalog is way off. And I've also got a really long list of home repairs that Watson sent me to come do. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how I ended up with that, but I, I got to go, guys. I got to go get over to Watson's and start painting. So I'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. All right. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.